All right. So uh, tonight, uh, I got a I got a little uh, surprise for you. Uh, we're going to have a missionary speaker, and if you have not already met um, Pastor Fernando um, <clears throat> um, uh, Basler, he is a missionary uh, to Ecuador, and so. Um, uh, Pastor Fernando has been uh, here before, uh, several years ago. I don't remember. It's probably been five years ago, maybe four years ago, um, uh, before the COVID crisis. And uh, and so uh, he and his wife, Isabel, have been uh, planning churches. How many years now? Seven years. Informally, 15 years, but formally seven years. So I probably met you about five years ago, I'm guessing. Yes. Um, and so uh, they have been kind enough to come by and visit us in the past. And so he is in town. I wanted to bring him and let him share his vision and uh, the ministry in Quito, Ecuador, which is one of the key cities of Ecuador. If you know anything about Ecuador, Quito is, a, I think that's the capital city, if, I, if it's my recollection. So uh, he's a key man in a key city. Uh, he's uh, making disciples. He has a Bible institute. And so he's going to come here in just a moment and uh, share with us. So if you could give uh, Pastor Basilor some your love as he comes and presents his mission to us, and then you will, you'll have a, you will cue the video. Okay. Yes. To be in this afternoon here, uh, we've been praying to come and visit uh, for so long. Uh, I remember the last time that we came and visited. It was a lovely church, always with a smile and with a big Hard to receive people, and we—I am very thankful. Sorry, I didn't came this time with my family. They have to stay, but uh, I came just for one month, couple weeks. I have to still be here, but I bring this afternoon, this evening, a question for you: What it takes to be a missionary? What it takes to fish for men and go out and? Uh, really shared the gospel. And so I, I bring a video this, this evening to show you a little bit about the ministry in Ecuador and the way that you can be praying, please, for us and all the necessities and the needs and, and all the trials that Ecuador is right now going through. And this afternoon I bring a surprise for everyone here. So it has the new picture of our family and uh, Let's go. Just watch it. Enjoy it. Hi, my name is Fernando Basler. I am the senior pastor of Grace and Life Bible Church. And I am here to invite you to be part of this ministry. We are praying for a lot of needs that we have, especially an own place that we are just looking for to meet together and to have more people together. Brothers, sisters in the U.S., in, in Switzerland, in all Europe, we pray that you become part of this ministry and you help us in anything that you can. Thank you so much for being part of this wonderful ministry and service that we are doing here in Quito, Ecuador, South America. Quito, Ecuador is home to approximately 2 million people, but due to corruption, crime, and a faltering economy, many are living in poverty, with no reason to believe it will get better. Fernando and Maria Isabel Basler could have chosen an easier life in the United States, 
But because Jesus commands that his followers go, preach the gospel, and care for the poor, they are obeying this call in Quito. Their ministry is called Gracia y Vida, or Grace and Life. This is Veronica, one of two sisters attending church at Grace and Life. The tarp and tin roof cobbled together with some wood fence is all that protects her front yard. She lacks the resources to pave her patio or have a proper wall constructed. She washes the clothes by hand and dries them on the line. The bicycle in the corner is her transportation. Inside the house, amid the bare walls, sits her younger sister, Michelle. When Michelle was very young, she had a fever. But when she was taken to the doctor, he gave her the wrong treatment, resulting in permanent damage to her brain and development. She cannot walk, nor can she speak. When her own mother had abandoned her, her sister took her in. But even so, there is no recourse for this family. They live each day, finding hope in Christ, who will one day renew all things. It is difficult to say how much of the Bible Michelle actually understands, but God's word is for everyone, so the Bastlers will share with her also the hope found therein. Whether you are a professional athlete or confined to a chair, whether you sit at an oak table or have no table at all, your deepest and most fundamental need is to know God's love to you through Jesus Christ and to respond to that love in faith. Faith is expressed in prayer, and we pray to the Almighty God who created the heavens and the earth. He is the King to whom belong all power and authority. Nothing is impossible for Him, even things that are impossible for doctors. So why doesn't God heal Michel immediately? We can't say specifically, though we trust that God is good and His wisdom is perfect, maybe this family is facing hardship so that we might show them love as God has shown us. We would like to provide Michelle with a better wheelchair and remodel her house so that she can come and go with greater independence. Also, if there is a medicine or therapy that will help her, we want to give her the opportunity to try it. But we cannot do these things alone. We need the help of those who have resources, skills, and knowledge to improve conditions for Michelle. And she is not the only one. There are many people in Quito who live in hardship and poverty, each with their own struggles. For some, this burden becomes too much to bear. Bringing hope to Quito means both preaching the gospel and caring for the people in tangible ways. It means helping those who have no power to help themselves. And in this is a picture of what God did for us. The Bible says that while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. While we teach that man is spiritually helpless without Jesus Christ, we must also display God's love by extending our hands to those who are physically helpless. And that is why we make our appeal to you on behalf of the needy in Ecuador. As we bring God's message of hope to satisfy the spiritual need, you can help us to supply the physical needs because God cares about the whole person especially the poor and the weak those whom society casts aside 
Psalm 27 says, Though my mother and my father forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Would you partner with us to be the Lord's hands of love and care? Hello, my name is Isabel Basler, and I'm the pastor's wife. I'm so excited to share with you all the work that God is doing in Ecuador through us. We are missionaries working in this small country in South America since 2015. We are so happy because our job is to serve the King of Kings. Serving the Lord is a privilege and a pleasure every single day. But Ecuador is a country in a lot of needs. And we want to show you, children, youth, adults, having a lot of needs. But the principal need is now about hope uh, in Jesus Christ. And we want to share all this population, the love of God, giving all of them not just material things, giving eternal hope. So we want to invite you to join us in this journey that God called us, walking by our side. Be part of this ministry, praying, supporting, coming. We, you are so welcome to come to this country and be part of all the work we are doing. Please don't forget to pray for Ecuador. Ecuador is a country that is the same size as Colorado in America. But even as a small country, is in the heart of God. And we believe that God has a lot of purposes for this country. So, please, brothers, sisters, friends, help us in this project that God put in our heart. But we cannot do anything if you are not part of this. Thank you so much for your help. At this table, the next generation of Christian ministers are learning what it means to live and serve according to the truth of God's Word. They will have to reject the way of the world, which tells us to store up treasures on earth where nothing lasts, and embrace the way of Christ, who tells us to store up treasures in heaven, a treasure that lasts forever. Each one is willingly giving of his time, talent, intellect, and strength to serve others in Jesus' name instead of pursuing his own interests. If we could, we would hire some of them as full-time staff for the ministry and be able to serve people more effectively. But as it is, they are all volunteering their time, and so their involvement is limited. Each one is in a different stage of discipleship. Some are already capable of preaching, while others are exhibiting other gifts and abilities. But they share in a common desire to see God's work done in Ecuador, in Ecuador, and even beyond. Qué gusto saludarles. Es un placer poder comunicarme con ustedes a través de este medio. Mi nombre es Olger Molineros. Soy pastor de la Iglesia Gracia y Vida 
en la cual estamos trabajando hoy día. Eh, he trabajado más de 42 años junto con la hermana Danielita, Mauricio y muchos otros hermanos, trabajando siempre con niños. Mi pasión ha sido los niños toda la vida. Ahora estamos tratando de plantar una nueva iglesia. Estamos tratando de dejar el legado a la familia. Qué bueno que usted pueda mirarnos, escucharnos, y le pedimos de todo corazón sus oraciones. Le pedimos de todo corazón que usted ponga la mirada en este país pequeñito que se llama Ecuador. Amados hermanos, amigos, que el Señor les bendiga ricamente, ricamente. Nuestro amado Dios es bueno y bondadoso, y por lo tanto siempre el Señor está con sus hijos. Muchas gracias. This is the building where Grace and Life Church gathers. We are currently renting, but we seek to buy the building, the land it sits on, and the land behind it, so that we can remodel it, build it bigger, and turn it into a multi-purpose center for worship, for helping the poor, and for biblical counseling. Our church may look just like a small building on a mountainside in Quito, but it sits just one kilometer away from a famous bridge called the Chiche, Many people, when they find themselves in the depths of despair, with no place to go and no one to turn to, tragically choose to jump to their deaths from this bridge. But our desire is to turn them away from that dark path into our doors, where they can find help and hope for their lives and for their souls. As Pastor Olger mentioned, Teaching children is very important to our ministry. By reaching out to them, not only do we keep them from danger and bad influences, but we teach them the Word of God, which leads to eternal life. Sometimes this has such a positive impact on the kids' lives that their parents become interested in the Bible as well. For some, this is their only fun interaction they will have with others their own age. They are outside because the adults are having their own class indoors. But with your help, we could remodel the church building so these kids could have their own classroom. These tables are actually the only four to be found in the church. Right now, the Basslers are paying the rent and utilities for the building out of their own personal budget. The land needs some work done as well, as this canal which surrounds the property lacks the proper barriers around it to ensure safety. By giving, you can be a part of the work of God in this place.
did you ever see the boxes for Operation Christmas Child being delivered? It might surprise you that they are passed out at other times besides just Christmas. But the children are always so grateful to receive them. We give thanks to God, who gives us all things to richly enjoy. And we extend our thanks to those who think of us and provide when we lack. For many of these children, this is the only way they receive gifts at all. This is another children's Bible club in Quito. We go out and the children come, but we need funds to set up better shelters. Kids who lack food at home will ask for seconds after the snack. And our only vehicle is very old and falling apart. But this is how we do ministry. We reach out to the children, which opens doors for us to preach the gospel to the parents. In the youth ministry, high schoolers are taught that they do not have to follow a path of disillusion and sin as many of their peers are doing. Coming to grace in life, they learn to live in right relationship to God through Jesus, the one who breaks even generational chains of sin and vice. Here they can build healthy friendships centered on God. And here they can learn what it means to be young men and women, from the Bible instead of from cultural stereotypes. They play together, they sing together, and together they are instructed out of God's Word to build their lives upon His truth so that when difficult times come, they will not be found without a foundation of hope. To extend this hope to more people, we want to improve our building. We'd like to have a real kitchen with an oven and range instead of just a sink. We want to build more rooms so that while some are learning the Word of God in one room, others can have a counseling session in another. We want to repair and update our facilities. Besides the chip tile and a cupboard that won't close, we have a plumbing problem that cannot be fixed except by digging up the earth under the bathroom in order to find and address the issue. En mi corazón está servirle a Dios a tiempo completo y quiero pedirles mucho un deseo especial a todos ustedes que oren por mí, por mi vida y Lo más importante para mí es las oraciones de cada uno de ustedes y también quiero pedirles ayuda en la parte económica y que el Señor les bendiga, mis queridos hermanos. I have the passion to serve Jesus Christ as my Savior and my Lord. And I want to ask you special prayers for my life. I think prayer is the key for a ministry. So if you want to help me praying every single day for my life, for every single thing that I'm doing for God, that God is doing through me, I appreciate it. And please, if you want to be part of my ministry, helping and supporting me in a financial 
eh, part, I really appreciate it. Love Compassion Compromise Serving Church Planting Connections Training Children Next Generation Together Quito Ecuador, South America We are The Sunday Morning Gathering The Women's Bible Study The Men's Bible Study There are so many aspects of ministry at Grace and Life that are active and would benefit from your involvement. We ask for your prayers. We ask for your partnership in giving. And we would ask for your presence here with us if God should permit it. There is so much work to do. And the workers are indeed few. Can you see yourself with us? We may look a little different. But we are really just like you. Our work in the coast is especially needy. We do not even have a table to write on. But we are not discouraged by this. So don't you be discouraged. Let's bring the hope of Christ to Ecuador together. presentation we had a wonderful meeting this this afternoon uh, with pastor Ryan it was a privilege to see him a uh, few years ago I, I just saw him and see him again so it's a privilege to everyone just to see you here and I just bring these these gifts that you can be praying maybe in your heart you are one you are willing to connect a little bit better with our ministry it has our web page you can check it out Maybe send us letters of encouragement to keep up on going over there in Quito, Ecuador. And thank you so much, brothers, because Heartland Church is a blessing for us. And I know uh, God is doing a lot of things that maybe we can be connected this time, in the future, in heaven, always. So thank you very much, Pastor. Blessings. Pastor uh, Bassler hands those out. Are there any questions that anybody might have about the video, video the presentation? Yes, Paula.
Uh, it's interesting in Latin countries. Uh, in Latin countries, it's very easy to find children. You will go to any community that seems like there's no people around, but you go with a clown or games or playground or a BBS thing, and always it seems like the children comes out of the walls, <laughs> but they always are there. They are looking to you. They are maybe uh, hiding a little time before you see them, and then they just come, and you can reach them very easy. And, and then they will go with the news to their parents, and they will start inviting their brothers, sisters, parents, relatives, and they will start coming to the BBS or to a Bible study or whatever. We easily, when we start these Bible clubs, we easily can find from 50 to 100 children in the programs. The, the thing is to have the continuing, then it starts uh, slowing down a little bit of the amount of, of children, but they come. We usually find them very easy. Yeah, okay. Hang on a second. Let me run the mic. Sounds like we have some questions, so it's good. Yeah, are you going to run it, Bob? Oh, Thank I'll you. I'll be the runner. All right. Don't run too fast, though. <laughs> yeah. Pastor? Yes? The young man that asked for our prayers for him for daily, what is his name? Oh, Kevin. Kevin? Yes. Very Latin name. He, is, he, he came one year ago to the church, was our first teenager to the church. We had a lot of children, but not teenagers, and we wanted to start a, a youth club. And he came. We invite everybody, and just was him. So we sit him, we sit with him, and we start the biblical training. And with him, we start we start the Bible Institute that I was talking with Pastor this afternoon. So through him, he came to all the classes, first year classes biblical classes and got the training and he is graduating after I go back in a few weeks the third uh, June 3rd we are having our anniversary from the church and also the graduation of first year students and he will be one of those that is going to be graduating so he is having a passion in his heart for serving the Lord and he wants to give everything he is working right now full-time job with his dad driving he's a driver but he wants to do everything that he can to serve 100% to the Lord. So he is praying, and that's why he was willing to appear in the video also. That's very good. All right. Any other questions? Yes, sir. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you, Pastor. Thank you. Appreciate, appreciate that. It. And uh, let me ask you all one more question. So what famous missionaries do you know that were in Ecuador? Oh, you, you can't, you don't count. They, you know the answers. So, you guys know. Jim, Jim Elliott, right? Nate Saint, Into the Sphere. Okay, same country, but not in the jungle, right? So, that was, uh, the, the Elliots went, or Jim Elliott and that team went to uh, Ecuador uh, in, a, in, in some part to help uh, the natives were obviously cannibals and very hostile to any outside influence. So they went to reach them because they were an unreached people group. 
as I think most of you know, um, and uh, of course end up becoming martyrs. But it's a it's a, a you know pretty much here in the United States a famous missionary, fairly contemporary now. It's kind of old uh, news now, but it, it was a very popular. If you don't know anything about it, you should learn about it. And uh, there's still, uh, you know, Steve Saint is uh, down in uh, in Ocala. And so he's got a neat little operation where he puts together ultralight planes and things, and, and the ministry was advanced through that. But what's really uh, interesting about Pastor uh, Fernando is uh, he's 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 got a you know we were talking today, and he's he's got a philosophy of discipleship. He's got his own Bible institute, even with one student, uh, which shows a lot of tenacity. And he's in a key city. Uh, Quito is not a um, a small city. So, how many do, what, do you know the population of Quito? A million and a half, almost like Kansas City, but mm-hmm. spread. Right. Okay. So, like our metro, about two and a half million. So that's a major city. Uh, we're a major city, and even in the United States, we're bigger than Nashville and several other cities. So I think we're the top twenty, even though we're tiny compared to you know Dallas, New York, Chicago, L.A. Um, you know, and all of those cities, uh, Houston. But but still. Uh, after those big cities, you run into medium-sized cities in the USA. Would be United, would be Kansas City, um, and so that's a big city. Ecuador, uh, like you said, it's the size of Colorado, and uh, there's a lot more going on there than just you know. Um, there's a lot going on in Ecuador and South America. So uh, just be praying about the ministry there. Uh, he's given you all the information. Uh, you can look at the website. You can you can pray for them. Um, and you can, uh, you know, you can uh, find out more about the ministry. I'm looking forward to, to talking with Pastor more about discipleship even a little bit after we meet tonight. So uh, that will be good. And uh, maybe someday, sounds like you could use a work trip, some plumbers to go down there and help them with some, uh, with some building projects and things. So uh, we'll see where God takes that. But uh, I appreciate you guys giving Pastor time and uh, listening to the presentation and uh, and so we got about 35 minutes uh, left. And so I was going to do a I was looking at our schedule and I've got it all sorted out now. So I don't have as many extra QA times as I thought I did uh, because I've chewed them up with our uh, how to study or our, uh, I'm sorry, our body life series. Uh, and so we will have uh, several other courses, so to speak, or sessions coming up, one on dispensations, one on prayer, one on. Uh, principles of Bible study, um, uh, and then one on, we're not going to do, com- I was going to do comparative religions. Uh, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to just talk about a few cults and some, some false teachings. I don't want to go, I have like 11 weeks. I, I cut that down to like four sessions uh, because I didn't want to go that long on that topic right now. Uh, and we have several other things. Uh, I don't have them off the top of my head that I'm remembering. There's about seven things. In addition to uh, missionary guests, speakers, and the QA, so uh, I really don't have as many QA spots as I thought I did uh, when I, uh, and I think I mentioned that last week. So I do have a little time tonight. So if you have any questions, we can jump back into the QA uh, for tonight, which is always good. People seem to like question and answer, as long as we're reading our Bibles and studying, that is. So um, so anybody have any questions, just burning Bible questions tonight? We'll open up the Word of God and address those. All right. We'll just go home. I was thinking tonight, of all the nights for Sharon De Leon not to be here, 
with uh, with uh, by the way, I want to commend Isabel. Um, I was watching her translate for Kevin, and uh, she has a very good memory. She was like, I was watching her eyes as he went on and on and on and on. I was like, wow, she's had a lot to remember. And so Sharon De Leon would have been able to translate that. And so, and those boxes too, those Christmas boxes. Uh, we do we do Operation Christmas Child here, so it's it's kind of neat. I, I thought that was kind of cool. I looked back at Amy and I was like, that's cool. Uh, if you guys know the um, uh, Tabors, of course, they uh, we have a couple here from uh, Latin America who received those as well when they were in Latin America, and so it's special and it's really neat. The Tabors a few years ago gave a presentation on how special uh, receiving those boxes were when they were in Latin America, and and so. Uh, when you do put those boxes together, it is it is appreciated uh, by the children who receive them. All right. Well, so I've given you guys a few minutes to meditate on this. And uh, no questions, seriously. I always say everybody but Amy can ask a question, but she gets, she's the one who gives the hardest questions I've ever had. The only fully question. There is no questions, dumb or stupid. Just the one you don't ask. It's true. All right. None? Well, okay. Well, if it's not a question, what is it? Okay, shoot. I got to fix that thing, Bob. <laughs> I got somewhere I could go, but I, I prefer to have a question. I was, I was wondering if we could get your... Um, insight on what it is for the like for a new believer on the period i've done some reading and uh on the period from the end of malachi to the beginning of the new testament that time period oh, okay and why it would be important for us to know why that okay yeah that's a good question so the uh the silent period between the end of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New Testament. Uh, so that's, I think that's the question uh, and the significance of it. Uh, it's always darkest before dawn. So go to Malachi chapter 4. That's a really great uh, question. The way your Bible lays out, it's, it's, it's also very, it's really neat the, the way things lay out. Um, so just a little history timeline. If you're if you're going through uh, the Bible um, chronologically, you know some of the Bible prophetic books are going to stack up at the end as you get to um, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther will really be your your tail end uh, historical books. But the way God lays out the, the canon of Scripture, you end with the Book of Malachi, which is prophetic. So it's not in a chronological order. Uh, and you can just go to the first, you know, the, first, the introduction to Malachi will tell you the burden of the word of the Lord uh, to Israel by Malachi. Um, this this is after the exile. Um, so uh, I'm looking at my notes here. It's the final words to a stiff-necked people before the light of the world um, shows up, you know, 400 years later, right? So... Um, Malachi was written about uh, 397 B.C. So it is it is one of the later um, books. You also have um, the return of Israel 
in 536. So that's Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther. Those those books are written a little later as well. Um, and so when you get here in in, uh, in Malachi, the date would be at least the date I have for it, it's about 397, um, and which would line up with the last years of, of Nehemiah as far as his time frame in life as well. So kind of, again, just kind of giving you a historical perspective. So when you look at just biblical history, what was going on is God had returned Israel to the promised land, obviously. Uh, he finally, you know, Israel finally repented of idolatry, finally, um, at this period. But she was still not very obedient, as you can see by all these prophetic books, including Ezra, Nehemiah, uh, and, uh, of course, Malachi. And so uh, there's seven questions in Malachi um, that that have everything to do with what you're going to find in the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the four Gospels. The first question is found in chapter one and verse two. It says, "How have you loved? How have you loved us? How have you? Lo- I have loved you," saith the Lord. Yet ye say, "Wherein hast thou loved us?" So they're asking God, "How have you?" They didn't recognize God's love. Um, and, of course, he's, he concludes verse 2 with saying, Yet I have loved Jacob. Was not Esau Jacob's brother, saith the Lord? Yet I have loved Jacob. And so he's preferred Israel, uh, obviously, in the promises over Jacob. Or, I'm sorry, uh, Jacob over Esau. And then in verse 6, there's another question. A son honoreth his father, and a servant his master. If then I be a father, where is mine honor? And if I be a um, master, where's my fear, saith the Lord of hosts unto you, O priests that despise my name, O ye, wherein have we despised, and ye say, I'm sorry, wherein have you despised thy name? So here you have the priesthood questioning God. So this is kind of discouraging, right? After Ezra, after Nehemiah uh, have established the, the walls and then the worship, the worship and the walls, I got that backwards. Then you have Malachi writing even later, and the priesthood is somewhat messed up, um, and you see that there is a questioning of God's uh, sincerity. Uh, The next question is in chapter 1 and verse 7. He says there, You offer polluted bread upon mine altar, and you say, Wherein have we polluted thee, in that you say the table of the Lord is contemptible. Um, You know, verse 8, And if you offer the blind uh, they're not offering good sacrifices. And if you offer the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? And if you offer the lame uh, and sick, is it not evil? Offer now unto the, unto thy governor. Will he not? Uh, will he be pleased with thee, or accept thy person? Saith the Lord of hosts. So he's saying, you guys are offering me not your best. You're giving me your leftovers, and even probably your old leftovers, right? The stuff that you're ready to throw out in the trash. So, um, so that's not good. So the question is, they're asking, "How have we polluted? I, we don't, huh? Us? Are you serious? You know, that's kind of the attitude that they have." Uh, another question is, is, uh, is in verse in chapter two and verse seventeen uh, that's being asked here. There's a lot you can learn by these questions. You have wearied uh, the Lord with your words, yet you say, "Wherein have we wearied Him?" When you say everyone that doeth evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he uh, delighted in them, or where <clears throat> where is the God of judgment? Ooh, that kind of stings, doesn't it? It's 
where we live today. That could be the church. Uh, people saying everyone that doeth evil is good. You ever heard that? Oh, he's just a good guy. She's just a good gal. No, they're sinners. Well, you know, we don't want to call people sinners. We don't want to offend them. Okay, so this is the state of Israel. They're getting wishy-washy. God's like, you're wearing me out. You make, you're making me tired. You wear, you make, there's a saying in our house. I stole it from a friend of mine about, you know, 30 years ago. You're making me weak, right? I mean, the words are just wearing me down. You're making me weak. You're, what do you mean? You're asking, how have we wearied you, Lord? Who, us? We wore you out? Yeah, you're wearing me out with, with, have you ever known somebody that always extols the virtue of wicked people? I have someone in my mind, but it's a relative, and I can't say who it is because I don't want to bring any relatives into the Sunday or the Wednesday night message. But it's fascinating, right? Like, you know, it's like, do you have a thing for people that are messed up or something all the time and, and extol the virtues of of people that are really kind of wicked? Well, that's kind of what's going on. I mean, they're, they're, there's, they're wearing God out. Where, where's the God of judgment? He's like, where's your judgment? <laughs> right? Where's the God of judgment? Well, where's your judgment? So God's, God's not playing. Um, chapter 3 and verse 7, another question. Even from the days of your fathers, ye are gone away from mine ordinances and have not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But you said, wherein shall we return? Like I've given you a path of repentance, but... You act like you don't know where it's at. So that that is another problem that they're having. Uh, verse eight, same same chapter. Will man rob God? Oh, oh. Yet you've robbed me. But you say, wherein have you robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. Right. So they're not tithing. What's a tithe class? Ten percent. Right. In offerings. So the way that rolls in the Hedges house, I won't talk about your business. I don't know your business, praise God, because if I, I did, I might get discouraged. I know with some I'd be really encouraged, but I mean, you know how it is. So tithes are the first fruits of thine increase. Ten percent offerings are over and above that, right? It doesn't, it, you know, it's it's offerings, and then of course we teach this in discipleship, and then it's sacrificial giving. And so, oftentimes we can tithe and offer without sacrifice especially in America. So um, anyway, he's like, hey, what do you mean? Where did you rob God? Will a man rob God? You've robbed me uh, in, in tithes and offerings. Um, and so he says in verse 9, you're cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. Of course, the, the system was there to take care of the needs of the nation, not just, it wasn't just like a local church. They, they, that was the whole priesthood. Right, and so everything was dependent upon uh, those the, the the priests the Levites ate off of that. They didn't have an inheritance; that was their inheritance. Uh, the Lord was their inheritance, so they had to live off of that as well. So to do it really affected worship, and so he was not happy. And then lastly, this is the seventh question um, in verse uh, ch- chapter three in the number of rebellion, verse thirteen. Your words have been stout against me, saith the Lord. Yet ye say, What have we spoken? So much against thee. And then he goes on to say, You have said it is a vain, it is vain to serve God. 
And what profit is it we have kept his ordinance, uh, uh, that we have kept his ordinance and that we have walked mournfully before uh, the Lord of hosts? Hmm. Now, I see that a lot in our in our culture. Like when I became a pastor, it's like, oh, man, Pat, preachers are poor. Right. That ministry people are poor. I want my kids to have a job. There's a lot of people who won't sacrifice their kids. Uh, they won't. They would not. If you say, hey, mom, I want to be a missionary. Hey, dad, I want to be a missionary. Hey, uh, mom, dad, I want to grow up and be like Pastor Brian. You know, a lot of parents would say, and I think even in our church, instead of saying that is awesome. We need as many ministers as possible. That's a great vision for your life. Maybe we should pursue that. Let's get a plan together so we can disciple you and you can be who God needs you to be. You know what you'll say? Not you. I don't know about y'all. But some parents would say, don't do that. There's no money in it. You need to go to school and get a job so you can earn some money. Well, that just tells you where that's what was. You think that's new? That's old. Like, what's the value in serving the Lord? We mourned. You know, where's our payback? And so they're not very grateful. They're ungrateful people. And they don't have a true sense of what the values, they don't really value what God has done for them and what God wants to do for them. And this is, I mean, you may think, well, uh, what's that got to do with Caleb's question? It has a lot to do with Caleb's question. Because if it was you or me, we would probably just say, that's it. I mean, these guys were in captivity for 70 years. I moved heaven and earth to bring them back, to establish worship, to get the priesthood reestablished. Uh, you know, and here they are right back at it again. And I tell you what, I'm done. Moses, I told you I'd start over again. You know, where are you at? I'm going to start over again, right? I mean, I'm just going to flush them down the toilet. But the problem with that is God has already made a promise, right? And this is his son, just like we see in Exodus, right? So he's going to fulfill his word, which gets us to chapter four. So let's go to chapter four. For behold, the day cometh, uh, that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, and all that do wickedly, shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall come, uh, that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. Not a very subtle message. God saying, "I'm coming back in my wrath. I'm a little hot." But it's kind of the preaching maybe we need in the Laodicean church period. Verse 2. But unto you that fear my name. Whew, what? 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 I fear your name, Lord. What? Okay. Shall the son of righteousness arise with healing in his wings. And ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. I've got a divine plan for those that fear my name. So. Uh, I noticed I noticed Pastor uh, Bassler's verse Joshua twenty four fifteen right. What did Joshua say? Who choose you this day whom you will serve? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Right. So, Amen and Amen. Right. He's saying, Hey, you fear the Lord. There's going to be a blessing to that. Uh, we're going to serve the Lord. You're going to grow up. You get. You got a future. And, and, it's, and I'm going to I'm going to take care of you. You're going to grow up as calves of the stall, calves of the stall. So, I mean, he's that's a nurturing. Right. We're not talking about cows of the stall, calves of the stall. You're going to be protected. You're going to be nurtured. You're going to be you're going to be um, you're going to you're going to you know, have you ever seen calves? You got to pull them and you got to feed them with the bottle. 
you know, you got to go out in the middle of the night, all that. I mean, there's care given to the calves uh, so that they can grow up and then we can slaughter them. But anyway, that's not, no. So anyway, so, so uh, but there's care given to those calves. He goes on to say, um, but unto you that, that, that I'm sorry, I've already said that uh, verse three and ye shall tread down the wicked. Oh, there's a promise. So you're going to grow up as calves of the soul, but now you're going to tread down the wicked. You're part of my team. For they shall be ashes under the, the soles of your feet in that day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Now, we know that day in the Bible, um, and the day, I should say, often represents the second coming of Christ, which is exactly what we're talking about here. Verse 4, remember ye the law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded unto you in Horeb for all Israel with statutes and judgments. Uh, the audience, again, is Israel, not us. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Now, there's no denying what we're talking about here. The great and dreadful day of the Lord is the what? Second coming of Christ. In the sense of Revelation chapter 19, second coming of Christ. It begins at the catching away of the church, but the fulfillment of the whole day begins when he returns to this earth. So when we talk about his second coming... Jesus' first coming, was his first coming his birth? Yeah. Was his first coming his death, burial, and resurrection? Yes. So his second coming is when the church gets taken away, seven years later he returns, right? So it's all part of that second coming. This is dealing with Revelation 19 portion of that when he returns to this earth. All right, so behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day. Of the Lord. Now we have revelation now, so we can look. We can look at this now, and we can see. Uh, yep, that's one of the two witnesses. Just look at the just look at the sign gifts that they're given in the tribulation period. And I would submit to you that Moses is the other. For those of you that say, e- "No, what about Enoch?" I will tell you, Enoch was before the law, before Israel was a nation. Enoch is a type of who? Jesus Christ, but more specifically, he's a type of. Church, yeah. He walked with God and was not, for God took him. He got raptured, got taken out before the law, right? He wasn't under the law. We're not under the law. We're under grace. Uh, So Enoch is a type. And then what's he do? He preaches and warns of Jesus coming with ten thousands of his saints to execute justice and judgment on this earth. He's also preaching about the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ because we're all looking forward to that. In one way, shape, or form, if you fear the Lord. Verse 6, And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children of the fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Devotionally, certainly, that is dealing with the plague we have on father-son relationships. Certainly, that's a great devotional aspect. We just had a men's father conference just a few couple weekends ago. It's absolutely true. But uh, doctrinally, what this is dealing with is the fathers, meaning the promises given to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, even David, right? And Israel has turned away from that. They are not, even today, right? So, Benny, you know, while, while we're all distracted with Tucker Carlson and Don Lamont, right, and Joe Biden and whoever else, Donald Trump, right, you have, you have in Israel, you have laws being passed so the gospel cannot be preached. I mean, like last week, by our allies. And so I'm glad, right, we should support Israel as a nation because God will bless those that support them. But just know this, they don't support the gospel. 
And so just kind of get that clear in your head, um, in your heart, right? There's, Israel is still a long way from Jesus. They're lost and they need the gospel. They're blind. Yes, ma'am. Oh, I didn't know if it passed or not. I didn't want. Oh, good. It'll kill the tourism if that happens. <laughs> yeah, I figured, I was like, how are they going to get away with that with tourists? Because. Hmm. I read that Benjamin Netanyahu was for it. Was he against it? I was shocked when I read that. It must have been a bad article. I actually read it. And uh, I was surprised that Benny, that he would be because he's such an American ally. So it was about two weeks ago. Yeah. So, um, and I don't remember the source. It was it was some feed I was reading uh, somewhere. You know how that is. One of many others. I've read a lot since then. So that's good to know. I was wondering how that would work with the uh, tourism. Right, yeah, take it because it's going to be hard not to preach the gospel when you go to Israel. But anyway, um, so getting back to his question here, I got about 15 minutes. So Malachi, you know, God is is he's going to go silent. So the last thing he says is pretty, pretty, pretty scary, right? He, you know, and he shall turn the heart of the fathers of the children, the heart of the children of the fathers, lest I come and smite the earth earth with a curse. All right, so then just silence, dead air. And uh, you don't hear anything until uh, you get to the to the book of Matthew, right? And, and of course, the next thing we hear is angelic hosts. I mean, obviously, in private, there is uh, annunciations, you know, to uh, Mary and Joseph and, and uh, Elizabeth and, and Zacharias and, and so on and so forth, but... Then you have this man, his name is John the Baptist, but Jesus said, he's as good as Elijah, right? Uh, what is that, That's, uh, what verse did he say that in? Um, I will find it for you. This will be Elijah if you would receive him. Let me grab this. I got it in this Bible. This is Elias, if you would receive him. And it's, I believe, in, it's Matthew, I believe, where that is written. I will check. Yeah. Uh, in verse 13, Matthew 12, 13, hang on, just give me a second here. Uh, Matthew, maybe, well, you see him in Matthew seventeen ten. That's the Mount of Transfiguration. Uh, oh, no, it is actually Matthew 17. So good good reference, Ron, because that got me to where I need to go. Thank you. So in Matthew, his reference in Matthew eleven fourteen is if, uh, if you will receive it, this is Elias, which uh, was for to come. So that's, that is the accurate reference. So. Um, getting back to Malachi, um, in, in, in Matthew 11, um, Jesus is speaking. He says, and from the days of, this is a Matthew 11 and verse 12, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, 
and the violent take it by force. So if you've been in our Discipleship 2 class, you'll learn we, there's a distinction between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. <clears throat> Which one of those is physical? Kingdom of heaven is physical. You can see it right here. The kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. Kingdom of God is spiritual, right? And so, um, and there's a, in John, it, it mentions that it is not. It's not something you can see. Um, Lo, it's here or there, right? It is spiritual. It's an invisible kingdom. Um, and so. The days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffered violence and the violent take it by force for all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if ye shall receive it, this is Elias, which was for to come for to come where? Malachi chapter four. So there's silence. And, and the last thing you read in Malachi chapter four uh, there in that passage is before behold I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord now Acts 1 8 makes a lot more sense when when the apostles are going after the resurrection they're still trained they're Jews they know the law the Old Testament and they haven't yet learned the scripture we know uh, and so they're sitting around wondering you know what happened and they're asking this question in acts 1 8 but you shall receive power after the holy ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me what is that all about well the question is on the table um uh down in verse uh when they were come together verse 6 they asked him saying lord uh, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to israel and he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. But ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to all the uttermost part, and in, I'm sorry, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. So they're asking there in verse 7, or verse 6, when are you going to restore that kingdom? And when they're thinking about that, they're still in the mindset at that time. Uh, you know, before they, before Acts chapter 2, before their understanding is enlightened on what's happening, they're still thinking Malachi, like the second coming. And they had every reason to think that, right? Really, up in, in, in the rejection of Israel, up until Acts chapter, uh, really Acts chapter 7 with the stoning of Stephen. Uh, and then, of course, Acts chapter um, 8, the apostle Paul gets saved, Acts chapter 9. Um, or actually, is that, no, Acts chapter 8, the Gentile gets saved. Acts chapter 9, Paul gets saved. And then uh, Peter gets the revelation about, uh, in Acts chapter 10, the Gentiles can receive the gospel. And we see that transition happening uh, toward the kingdom of, of God and how God puts Israel on hold, uh, which they wouldn't have foreseen. So the, the significance of that, that time period, to get not to go too far, I've gone past the question, uh, that silent period, uh, was in preparation uh, for the coming of the Messiah. I mean, God, he basically went radio silent. And the next thing that they were going to hear was the the coming of the Messiah. Now, we know from the prophecies that he would be born of a baby, be born of a virgin, he'll be born in Bethlehem, you know, all the verses that we quote. But what they were thinking was Isaiah 9, 6, right? Not a child, but none, they were thinking unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, but they jumped to, and he shall be, right? You know, he'll be, he'll be, 
he, they're thinking of it from a kingly perspective, like he will be at the second coming. And so they they totally missed his his incarnation, his first coming, uh, and all of that uh, in that silent period. Now, in the meantime, what happened to Israel in the meantime? As this goes silent, well, you saw those seven questions. God was not happy with Israel. So you have Antiochus Epiphanes come in and who fulfills the prophecies of, in Daniel. Uh, and and he literally, you know, offers a pig on the altar. It's an it's not the abomination of desolations because it has not yet happened, but it is like it. it's like repeating history. So he take he comes in and he is like an Antichrist. And so they were looking for. That's why they're looking for the coming of Christ. They have seen things like if you lived in 1940s and you watched Adolf Hitler, you might think he's an Antichrist or not. He was an Antichrist. You might think he's the Antichrist very easily. You might have manipulated some things around even in your Bible study to try to make that fit him. And you might have been able to do that because there was a lot of similarities. Right. Antiochus Epiphanes was similar. Right. Like in Germany, there's a big replica of the seat in the synagogue of Satan. In there right now, like in in Germany, you could have said, "Well, there's a seat in synagogue of Satan." Of course, I don't think it was there then, but uh, but you know what I'm saying. You could have found ways to say, "Well, he's he's persecuting God's people. He's again, you know, he's an antichrist. He's tied with Rome, which he was. The SS was tied with uh, with Rome. Uh, it's it's modeled after uh, the uh, Jesuit order. That's now public information. It took about 60 years for that to finally go public." Um, and so all of that's true, right? So mystery Babylon religion, so on and so forth. All right. But was Hitler the Antichrist? No. Antiochus Epiphanes was not the Antichrist. He was an Antichrist, right? Hitler was an Antichrist. Uh, Nero, man, he looked like Antichrist. He was an Antichrist. He wasn't the, if there's a, by the way, if there's a type of the Antichrist ever in history, it's Nero. I mean, Nero ruled Rome, right? And he was, and of course, you can go through the popes. You can go back to the 1980s and see Ian Paisley standing up in the UN with a sign calling Pope John Paul II, you know, thou art the very Antichrist, you know, and he's all fired up about that because, well, those types um, are there for sure. And so uh, in that silent period, um, uh, <clears throat> they desecrated uh, they desecrated the temple, and there was rebellion, and that's what the Maccabees, uh, or not the Maccabees, but the, uh, uh, yeah, it was the Maccabee rebellion, and so there was a. Is that after seventy? I'm going to get my history messed up here, so I want to back up here. Getting foggy all of a sudden. Oh, I'm thinking of Masad. So Masad is where they went up on the mountain and they held out the Romans. That, is, that was after seventy A.D. Um, but then there was also before Jesus coming, there was a rebellion, um, an uprising against the uh, Persian or not the uh, Persian rule, but the um, the the rule of Antiochus Epiphanes. And so the uh, that rule um, eventually got transitioned to which gets you back to Herod, the Tetrarch and making peace and having a, a temple built for the Jews, appeasing the Jews. Et cetera, et cetera, just like we do today, land for peace, right? So they start making deals uh, over that promised land because the, all of Gentile history rotates around what's going on with the nation of Israel, and it is today. And I, and I am serious. Well, we're worried about China and Russia and uh, you know the BRIC nations, 
uh, oh, how can I forget Ukraine, right? All of that stuff is important for sure. North Korea, I mean, if you're a Gentile, you're really concerned about all that, or you should be, because it's serious for sure. But at the end of the day, all of that is rotating around what's going on in Jerusalem. Promise you that. And what's really going, what is going on is the nations are realigning. Very similar to that silent period between uh, Malachi chapter 4 and the coming of Jesus Christ. Because Rome was, Rome was inserting her influence just like Jesus had prophesied. I say Jesus, just like God had prophesied through Daniel. And so that, that, that head of gold, right? That image, the iron mixed with clay, uh, was coming into that, 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 that system was coming into play at the birth of Christ, and it's still in play today. So if you really want to pull back the curtain and find out where the power source is, you've already got it laid out in the book of Daniel. I'm not going to get into that in the next four minutes, but I will do an advertisement for HBI. So if you've been through, if you've been through, Dan, if you've been through, um, D1 or D2, I'll be doing a class on dispensations in the fall. You can sign up for that and we'll get into that a lot deeper and, and, and uh, get into some of that prophecy. Uh, so to answer your question succinctly as we wrap up, um, you know, radio silence, it was over. The last thing God said was, I'm coming back. But fortunately for all of us, um, you know, he, he puts that, that emphasis on Elijah. The reason I went there in uh, Matthew chapter 11, I never got to Matthew 17. Let's look at that and we'll close it up. Matthew chapter 17, um, this comes up again. So it's not just one discussion. In Matthew 17, it says in verse 1, And after six days Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into a high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them. His face did shine as the sun, his raiment was white as the light. And behold, there appeared unto him, unto them, who? Moses and Elijah, or Elias, which is Elijah, talking with him. The Bible doesn't stutter. He identifies him. Uh, then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, is it good for us to be here? If, if thou wilt, let us make here three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, one for Elias. Uh, while, ye, while he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. Behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were sore afraid. And Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and be not afraid. And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no man save Jesus only. Verse 9, And as they came down from the mountain, Jesus charged them, saying, Tell the vision to no man until the Son of Man be risen again from the dead. So this is in They get to see the pre-incarnate Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, this is, this is glorified Jesus Christ is what I'm saying. This is Jesus in his glory. Like, and it's like Jesus is like, keep a wrap on it. You're breathing. You should be dead, but you're not. Just just keep a lid on this until after the resurrection. And notice what he does say there. Until the Son of Man be risen again from the dead. I preached on this on Easter. Right? They're, they're getting the direct revelation from Jesus himself. I will rise from the dead. And yet they were all like freaked out that Jesus died on the cross. I mean, I think guys, I mean, we were just like that. You know, God can tell us in the Bible what's coming, and then we all go, oh, I can't believe it. <laughs> we should believe it. 
We should believe it. He's been telling us, been broadcasting it for centuries. All right, moving on, because i got to get done. Um, and so he, the disciples ask a question. His disciples ask him, saying, Why then say the scribes that Elias must first come? Well, why do the scribes say that? Because they read Malachi chapter 4. Scribes aren't foolish. They're, they're wise. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Elias truly shall first come. And restore all things. But I say unto you that Elias is come already, and they knew him not, but have done unto him whatsoever they listed. Likewise shall also the Son of Man suffer of them. Then the disciples understood that he spake unto them of John the Baptist. So we see that, that Jesus makes it abundantly clear uh, in, in uh, Matthew chapter 11 and Matthew chapter 17 that John the Baptist would serve as Elias, Elijah, if they would receive him. But they didn't. They received him better than they received Jesus. Of course, as Jesus goes to the, the cross, that's one of the questions on the table. Right? Was, was John the Baptist a prophet? And they don't want to answer that. Because everyone knew John the Baptist was a prophet. Everybody was hoping that he was going to be the Malachi chapter 4 answer. Why? Because they wanted a political solution to a spiritual problem. Bingo. Bingo. Just like today. How many Christians want a political solution to a spiritual problem? tons i mean it's good entertainment but at the end of the day it is just that it's theater i tell people that are closer to me i don't tell the church this because i don't get into a lot of political discussion um and i don't care which side you're taking it's all theater it's all theater now don't get me wrong it's got real consequences it's really problematic there's all kinds of problems don't get me wrong it's real theater with real implications for sure. But at the end of the day, uh, you can't solve the spiritual problems with political solutions. That's what fundamental Baptists have been trying to do for the last 100 years. Well, not quite 100 years. Maybe the last 80 years is moralize Christ with all these rules, the law. Put the law back on so everybody will do what's right. The problem is we need Jesus, the Spirit of God. That's the only way. Anyway, so we're on the flip side of it now. So God went silent, and they were waiting for that fulfillment. So they were looking for Elijah the prophet. And who shows up? So for, for 30 years, you know, Mary, Joseph, uh, Elizabeth, uh, Zacharias, uh, yeah, well, the wise men from the east. Uh, there's people that know that Jesus is Messiah. I mean, he shows up in the temple at 12 years old. Who is this kid? You know, well, that's my sign. I better quit. Uh, anyway, because I'm going over. But anyway, and you guys know nobody. But when when John the Baptist shows up, a voice crying in the wilderness. Now, everybody wakes up. You know, everybody wakes up. Why? Because it's time for Malachi to be fulfilled. And so that was the voice that woke Israel up was John the Baptist. 
who would have been as good as Elijah if they would have received him, but of course they didn't. And so now we fast forward the tape to the coming revelation, which I'll be teaching next year, by the way, on the Wednesday nights. And then you will see Elijah and Moses come back before the second coming of Jesus Christ because we've been put on hold for a couple thousand years. Pastor and I were just talking about dispensational theology today at lunch. And so the only way to rightly divide the Bible is to rightly divide the Bible or it won't make any sense to you. And so that's a good question. I don't know if I answered it sufficiently, Caleb. Um, so, But historically, there were things happening to prepare the nation of Israel. What I was kind of alluding to, and I didn't really say succinctly, is, they, is God was allowing things to happen even in the culture that prepared Israel to receive their Messiah. The only problem was they wanted a political solution, and they didn't receive the spiritual solution. They weren't concerned about their souls. They were concerned about the Romans getting kicked out of out of Israel, which was a valid thing. You could imagine if we got overran, you know, if Russians, you know, Red Dawn, you know, circa 1980, whatever happens, and all of a sudden there's a bunch of Chinese people and, and Russian, Ruskies, you know, flooding the borders, uh, you know, and all of a sudden everybody would get, I don't know what would happen, but the Midwest would be definitely a unique location. Um, <laughs> and so, right, that's what, that would captivate everybody's attention and the gospel preaching would probably be like, become for many people, become secondary. Because it's hard to love your enemy in a geopolitical context. However, that's exactly what God calls us to do to this day. Right? So Paul spoke to Nero. I mean, you can't get any more poetic justice than that. You have the apostle to the Gentiles speaking to the chief Gentile. I mean, you talk about a spirit, you talk, you know, I'm talking like on Sunday morning and talking about having a standoff between Moses and Pharaoh and in this corner and in that corner. I'm telling you guys, history repeats itself. That was exactly what you saw with, 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 uh, Paul. But you know what Paul did? He died like a lamb. Now don't get discouraged because we're all like lambs led to the slaughter. So Romans tells us our job isn't to go out and mow everybody down yet our job is to be ambassadors for christ and bring the peace we're peace we're the ones bringing the gospel the good news there is a reckon all this prophecy about jesus second coming is true and he will squash people like grapes and we will we will try to we'll be with him but right now we're ambassadors for christ our job is to try to make peace through the gospel, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the only way to make peace. It's not going to be by appeasing perverts. It's not going to be by political solutions. It's going to be by the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the allegiance of a, of a New Testament Christian has to first and foremost be Jesus Christ. You know, that's it. Before, I'm, I love my nation, but before that, I love Jesus that's the most important thing. So anyway, um, th- that nationalism killed Israel because they didn't understand that God is, is bigger than even their nation. So you got to be careful with that. I'm just saying a little, little shout out to everybody in the atmosphere listening tonight. And don't be a hater on me. I'm just, I, you know, I love you and I'm telling you the truth. And if you don't think I don't wrestle with these things myself... You don't know this Gentile that got saved by grace. So, you, I mean, I mean, come on. 
But you've got to look at things biblically and realize what's going on and realize that, hey, there's a lot more going on here than just geopolitical activity. There is a spiritual battle for good and evil, and it will only get settled by Jesus Christ. And so stay in your lane, preach the gospel, make peace, even if it costs you your life, right? Because you're still in the dispensation of grace. And don't let anyone draw you out. Because next thing you know, you're going to have MREs, you'll have loaded up with weapons, and you'll forget your mission. <laughs> I'm not against MREs. I'm not, being, I'm, not against, I'm not against being loaded up with weapons. I'm just saying it's not your mission. It's not your mission, you know. So be balanced. Be a balanced Bible believer, all right? Know your dispensation. Stay in your lane. Walk softly and carry a big Bible. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there you go. All right. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity.